Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Forest Hills podcast. We exist to see our neighbors from every culture follow Jesus as King. We're glad you're here and thanks for listening. More information about the life and mission of City on a Hill can be found at coahforesthills.org. Forest Hills. Always a joy to be with you guys. We send greetings from our church, City on a Hill in Brighton. And I'm really excited to be with you guys this morning because uh, we're starting a new series, as Matt mentioned, uh, The Road to Redemption. And so we're taking four messages and really helping to get our heart oriented towards the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so every year we need to take time to think about what did God do for us? And so this is our first message. It's really entitled, if you're taking notes, The Invitation of Jesus. The text we just read is uh, right at the starting point where Jesus is getting a lot of religious pushback. He's saying lots of things that he is God, him and the Father are one, that he has come to uh, pay for the sins of the world. And the religious leaders are like, hold on a second, you are not the Messiah that is predicting the Old Testament. He's like, well, actually, I'm not only him, but I'm fulfilling everything that was said about him. He's getting a ton of religious pushback, which sets us up towards the cross. And this week, he's giving everyone anyone and everyone, an invitation to come to him. Now, if you know my family, I've been married for about 10 years and we've got two little daughters and something that we love are invitations, especially wedding invitations. Our two little girls, five and three years old, they love to dance. So when we get a wedding invitation and they're invited, our family is super excited. We talk about it. The girls like go and pick out their dress right when they get the invitation. We put it on the refrigerator and it's so endearing because we know that couple, right? We know the inviter of the wedding and we get this invitation as the invitee of this. And we know there's gonna be great joy at the event. There's great reward by going. There's free food, there's free drink, there's dancing, there's fellowship. It's wonderful. And we're going to see the same thing in this invitation. We're going to learn three things from Jesus' text here today. We're going to see something about the heart of the inviter, something about the heart of the invitee, and something about the gift or the reward when we come to him. So that's how we'll begin today. And I just want to let you know that this passage is really near and dear to my heart. I adapted a lot of this message from a few commentaries in one book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. If you've not read that book, I really recommend that book to your heart. And this is, uh, a lot of our stuff has been adapted from um, this book for this text. So let's start this way. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, guys, if you've heard of him, he's one of my favorite uh, British pastors, lived in the 1800s. He points out this really interesting observation here. He says this, out of the 189 chapters that make up the four gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, out of the total 189 chapters, there's only one place, one place that Jesus pulls back the veil and lets us see the very core of his heart. He says there's only one place where Jesus opens up and he describes to us the very posture of his heart, his heart towards you and his heart towards me. And we find that right here in this passage. Guys, in the four gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see his heart on display through his ministry, right? Through his teachings, his miracles, his atoning sacrifice. We see his heart on display but guys, it's only in this passage that we hear Jesus for the first and only time 
describe his heart. We see it, but he describes the very nature of his heart towards you. And guys, it's so insightful, it's so comforting, and it's so different than what we may already think about God. Now, knowing me that I'm, I'm new, if you're new, I'm new as well. So we can just welcome each other as guests, of course. But if you're new to Christianity or maybe even just a church setting like this, uh, we, we may have different backgrounds that we think about who God is. We might think he's like an angry judge or a, a distant, neglectful father, or maybe just some Santa Claus-y fluffy guy that you just sit on his lap and just ask for things and maybe he'll give it to you. and Maybe he doesn't. But is he more than that? And that's what we're going to see in this text. So with this in mind, let me read these verses of Jesus again, because it's in this message that I want to apply the very heart of Jesus to your very heart. So listen again and lean in, and it's really beautiful what he's saying here. He says again, come to me, it's the invitation. And he says, this is for who it's for. It's for all who labor and heavy laden. And he says, I will, it's a promise, I will give you rest. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then he says, here's the two descriptions he says about his art. He says, I am gentle. And number two, I am lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's unpack this for a little bit because once you take hold of this church, it really changes everything for you. So number one, what is the heart of the inviter? What is the heart of the inviter? And he says that he's gentle and lowly in heart. Guys, when the Bible speaks of that word heart, it's not referring to that physical beating muscle in your body, but it's talking about the central animating center of everything that you are. Guys, in the Bible, the heart refers to really kind of what gets you up out of bed in the morning. It's what you daydream about. It's what you wish for. Guys, the heart is the motivation headquarters for who you are. And in biblical terms, the heart is not just a part of who you are. It's the center of who you are. Guys, our heart is what births desires and it pushes us in directions. That's why Solomon tells us in Proverbs 4.23 to keep the heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. He's telling us the heart derives all we do. It's who we are at the core. So listen, when Jesus uses these two adjectives to describe his heart, gentle and lowly, he's telling you what his heart is like towards you. What animates him most deeply what drives his desires and actions towards you and what describes the most innermost recesses of his being is that he is gentle and lowly towards you. Gentle and lowly though. Those are very unique descriptions. Uh, on your Facebook page or if you're on a dating app and it's your about me, very rarely do we see someone describe themselves as I am gentle and I am lowly. In fact, if someone says, I'm gentle and lowly, you begin to step away from them because that's a unique way to describe yourself. But what does it mean when Jesus says that I am gentle and lowly? What is Jesus wanting you to grasp about how he sees you and how he acts towards you? What does it mean that he's gentle and lowly? Listen, guys, we often project our thoughts or feelings 
on Jesus about how we think the world operates. Uh, Human nature dictates that the wealthier the person are, the more down we look towards those who aren't. The more beautiful a person is, the more they may put off someone who is not. Without realizing what we're doing, we're quietly assuming that one on the high end looks down on those of the low end. And so sure, when Jesus comes close to us, we agree that he is gentle and lowly, but we think he like holds his nose as he comes close to us. The risen Christ, after all, is the one who is the God who is highly exalted and every knee will bow before him. This is the God who talks about in Revelation that his eyes are like a flame of fire. His voice is like the roar of many waters. His tongue, his words are like a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. That his face is like the shining sun with strength. In other words, he is unspeakably brilliant, magnificent, glorious, And so therefore, sometimes we think, sure, he'll draw close, but he'll do it kind of upset or distant or squeamish towards you. But this is the heart of who God is. He is, if anything else, he's gentle and lowly. There's a man named Thomas Goodwin, is kind of an ancient writings, and he would say that Jesus is, yes, high and holy, but he does not cringe when he reaches out to sinners like me. This is what he does. He embraces us. He can't hold back from us. That's why he came from heaven to earth. He came for you. He came for me. No matter what you've done or where you've been, he's gentle and lowly towards you. That's his heart. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter where you've been this week or in your life, He wants to be gentle and lowly to you. So what's that term gentle mean? The term gentle, we see it used three other times only in the New Testament. The first we see it in the Beatitudes where we see that blessed are the meek who inherit the earth. Meekness is not weakness for meekness is using your strength to care for another who's weak. We see it used in the prophecy in Matthew chapter 21, where it says, Jesus, the king is coming to you and he is humble, mounted on a donkey. We see the third use when he's using this encouragement to wives. He's saying the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. We see that Jesus is using this term of meaning meekness and humility and gentleness. What's this reveal about him? It reveals he's not trigger happy. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary to who you are and what you've done. He's not easily exasperated with what you do. He's not frustrated with you when you fall. He's the most understanding person in the universe because he lived out the human experience, but he knows and did it perfectly. The most natural posture of Jesus is not a pointed finger, but it's open arms. That's what gentle is about. Now, the term for the word lowly in this text, when he says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, that word lowly does overlap with the word gentle, so it's similar, but lowly is sharing something distinctly different than gentle. The point of Jesus saying that he is lowly is this, is that he is accessible to you. For all of his amazing glory, his unmatched holiness, his supreme otherness than us, 
No one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus, the humble carpenter man from Nazareth. There's no hoops to jump through to get to him. There's no long waiting lines. There's no prerequisites or PhD or master's that you might have to approach him. Listen, you don't need to unburden yourself or even collect yourself first and then come to Jesus. In fact, your very, listen, your very burden, your very brokenness, my very struggles is what actually qualifies you to come to him. Do you hear the invitation? He does not say, come to me, all the polished, all the righteous, all the holy. Come to me, academics. Come to me, rich ones. Who's the invitation for? It's for the broken. Do you realize it takes humility to come to the humble one? Knowing that you need what he has and who he is. This is the invitation. All who feel heavy, all who feel burdened, all who have experienced brokenness. And when you hear that, you hear this invitation that Jesus wants you and what you've been through. He wants you to come to him. He's lowly, he's accessible. So listen, if you're feeling broken today by life's circumstances or you're feeling heavy laden by life's circumstances, there is really, really good news because you're the one, I'm the one that Jesus is inviting here. You're the type, if you wanna go back to the dating profile, you're the type he's looking for. You're the type. He's seeking after you all who labor, who are weary, who are tired, who are struggling in their marriage and with their parenting at their job, those who are burdened with taking care of aging family members. If you're weary, if you're hurting, if you're struggling, you are given the invitation. That is the heart of the inviter. But more than that, we see something about the heart of the invited in our second concept here. He says two ideas here. He says that if you are laboring and if you are laden, you are invited. So yes, he's giving the invitation out to anybody, but he knows the ones who need it most. The ones he skins priority shipping to are the ones that are laden and are heavy with labor. They're broken and burdened. So listen, whether you're actively working hard to sort of like crowbar your life into smoothness or you're passively trying to find yourself some help because of the heavy workload on your life, Jesus desires this for you, rest. And I love that he doesn't just want a physical rest. No, he wants a deep, long-lasting, soul-level rest. Something that a vacation, a weekend getaway, a relationship can't give you. He wants to give you a deep rest within you that brings you peace. And so you hear him in this text almost whisper to you, hey, come in out of the storm. I know it's raining. It's been too much for you. You're cold, you're weary, you're tired. Come in. I have shelter for you. I have rest for you. I've got things for you. That's what you hear him saying. So friend in this room, if you find yourself laboring for your worth, laboring for value and meaning in this life, and you're working over hours and you're seeking to do as much as you can, the best that you can, go as far as you can, my friends, at this text, you can stop laboring for your worth. 
You can stop climbing for success. You can stop striving for comfort, happiness, and pleasure. Why? Because at him, you find what you need. Those pursuits I just mentioned, that's what makes you weary. Finding your worth, striving for success, hoping for pleasure, that's what makes you tired. And so in Christ, he says, what you actually are searching for is found in me. So he says, come to me. I love that. Yes, I know that we need money. Yes, we know we need housing. Yes, we know we need relationships. But what do we need most? That's what he invites you to. Come to me. Come to me. Friend, it's, it's, it's him that gives you rest. Rest from thinking. And this is so key, guys. And it's so hard for my own heart at times. Listen, this is the rest he gives. He gives you the rest from thinking that by having something more, that will make you someone more. And for some of you, you deeply need to receive that. That you think by having something more, it makes you someone more. If I can have more of this uh, degree or this person or this money or this pleasure or this relationship, but if I can have more of it, then it will make me more. And Jesus says, stop that searching. It ends here with me. I can give you what you need in me. Guys, the minimum bar into the embrace of Jesus is simply this. Come to him with all your burdens and with all of your brokenness. And you must receive all who he is and all of what he's done for you. My friends, his rest is a gift. It's not a transaction. It's a gift. He wants to give it to you. There's no payment required for it. Why? Because he's already paid it full for you on the cross. The invitation is simply that you come to him and you, you, you stop searching for more. You stop trying to be more because you have more in him. You are deeply loved. You are deeply valued. How do I know? Because that's what the cross was. That's what he's aiming towards. And in fact, you're gonna learn in a few weeks, he says, come to me all who are, what? Heavy laden, all who are weary, all who labor, and guess what? Very few come to him. So what does he do? He goes to them. He puts himself on the cross and he does all the work, all the labor. He is heavy laden for them. So you're seeing that Jesus is offering you something that is precious, something that you are searching for throughout the week in your job, in your relationship. You're searching for something and it's found in him. That love, that success, that desire, that, that hope, that value, it's in him. It's by walking with him, gentle and lowly, gentle and lowly. Those two words, Jesus is describing his very heart to you. He's tender, he's open, he's welcoming, he's inviting, he's understanding, he's willing. We aren't told that his heart is austere and demanding in heart or that he is angry and frustrated in heart. We don't hear that. We don't hear that he's judgmental and disappointed in heart, which many of us often think about God when you fall short, Right? You think God is standing back angry saying, yep, there you did it again. Get yourself together. Pick yourself up. Come on. I'm tired of you doing this over and over. He's not standing there with closed arms. In fact, the most clear picture we see with Jesus is open arms on the cross, embracing that sin that you did so that you can come to him, forgiving you of that and then giving you a new path for you to walk in joy with him. Gentle and lowly. Guys, I want you to make sure you don't confuse gentle and lowly, though, with mushy and weak. <laughs> There's a difference there. 
Like if you read the paragraph before this, if Heather read the paragraph before this, you would get like whiplash in your neck and you would like charge the church or something like that for some medical care because it's very different than the one we just read. If you read the thing beforehand, Jesus tells those who feel no shame concerning their harm towards others or people that just refuse uh, who God is and they just live out their harm to the world. He says, woe to you. He says, woe to you, Bethesda, I said to you, that there will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for those in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than you. Woo, that's a hard word. That is not a mushy and weak Jesus. Listen, Jesus is not mushy and weak with sin, but he is gentle and lowly with sinners like me, like you, who bring their burdens and their brokenness to him. Guys, our sins and our failures our insecurities, our doubts and anxieties, guys, those can never outmatch God's gentle dealings with us when we bring them to him. Guys, James 4, 6 says this truth. God resists the proud. That's the passage I just read when he's like, woe to you, God resists the proud. But listen, he gives grace to the humble. Those who come to him, he's gracious for, for lowly gentleness is not just one way that Jesus occasionally acts towards us. Gentleness is who he is. That's his heart towards you. You can't like ungentle Jesus. If you're a Christian, you can't ungentle him. Just like you can't unhuman yourself. It's who we are. And gentle and lowly is who he is to you. Last thing here, we see something about the inviter, the invitee, us, and we see something about the reward to those who come. Let me read this to you, verse 29. It says, take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and I want you to learn from me. Learn who I am, learn what I've done. Learn the path of human flourishing that I set forth as your creator. He says, for again, I am gentle and lowly in heart. I'm gentle and accessible to you. And then he says, you will find rest for your souls. So then again, he repeats the yoke idea. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So now we've got to understand what Jesus is saying here, right? Because many of us in 2022, we're not often talking about yokes in community group or, oh, I have this heavy yoke around my neck. So what does that mean? What is Jesus offering? What is he saying here? Let me share a little bit about that. Because a yoke is this heavy wooden crossbar that was laid on an ox in Jesus' day. And that heavy labor tool would be sort of added onto that yoke of this oxen. And the oxen would, would go throughout the farming land and it would pull a giant rake or a plow attached to it. And then the oxen would just drag this tool throughout the, the, the field and it would harvest crops and it would till soil. And Jesus is using this imagery to tell us something about himself and something about what he does for us. And guys, he's inferring here that he is like the oxen, that, that what he does, that, that he takes the heavy wooden crossbar, he's pointing towards the cross. He's the one that takes the heavy wooden crossbar of salvation the work that he's done for us on the cross so that we could stop working for value, stop working for salvation and find rest in him. So guys, listen, do we work for our forgiveness with God? Do we work for our worth in the world? No, both have been labored for by Christ. 
He's taken the yoke like the oxen and he's doing the work and has done the work. So this yoke that Jesus is telling you to take on is really sort of a tongue-in-cheek comment. The yoke that Jesus is telling you to take on is really a non-yoke. He's saying, take who I am, take what I've done for you and put it around you. Learn my ways and enjoy all that I've done for you. His yoke is easy because it's like an invisible yoke in some sense. He's done the work. His burden is light. Why? Because it was heavy for him. And he wants to carry yours. That's why he invites you to come. Because many of us, if you've grown up in Boston, if you've been here for a while, we are very much a city that puts the world's problems and everything on our back. We're carrying our families and we're carrying our workload and we're carrying our academic careers or we're pursuing, we're carrying all of this weight. I've got to store up enough money for a house or whatever it is. And Jesus is saying that I, I want to shift that weight to me. I want you to come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, I want to take care of your life better than money can, better than success can. Those things will wear you out. And for many of us, we might've experienced that. We're tired of the endless cycle of work, 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 two days off, work, 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 and you do it for 40, 50 years. Is that all this life is? Climbing ladders, more money? Or is there something better? Something you were made for? Something that you're invited into? Listen, the analogy of the yoke being easy and light is like helium, what helium does to a balloon. Think about a kid's party. Think about a helium balloon for a moment. It's what a helium does for a balloon. Jesus' yoke does for his followers. We are sort of buoyed and carried along in this life by his endless gentleness, his patience, his long suffering with you, his care for you, his never-ending, non-stopping love for you. We're buoyed along by this, and he is supremely accessible in all of his lowliness to us. He simply doesn't just meet us out of our place of need. He lives in our place of need. Do you realize if you're a Christian, Christ didn't just come to give you salvation, told you I'll meet you in heaven one day. Christ came to take up residence, to live with you in your need. So that at any moment when you're ready to transfer your burdens to him, he's there. It's a trust exchange. But too often, you and I are like maybe a drowning person. Think about a huge storm or someone out to sea. And it's like the man who's been told to put on the burden of a life preserver, but shouts back, no way, I'm drowning. I don't want the burden of a life preserver around my body. And you're like, dude, you're, that's not a burden. That's a blessing. Like that's trying to rescue you. And that's Jesus' point. His yoke his ways, his so-called rules are actually trying to fence in joy for you. He's trying to protect you. Does that make sense? Uh, sometimes my girls ask me, Daddy, why do you hold my hand when we're crossing the street? And I'm like, sweethearts, I don't want you to be hit by a car or an Uber or a tea or a turkey because those are in my neighborhood all the time. I don't want you to be hit by anything. So I restrict and area of freedom to actually provide more freedom of care. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus' yoke is. When Jesus gives commands or rules, that's his path of flourishing for you. So he's saying, take this on, and it's easy, and it's light. If you and I are struggling like this metaphorical person out in sea, and they're struggling with life and trying to swim, 
It's not just rules we throw out. Jesus jumps in and he is the life preserver saying, come, come follow me, rest on me. I'll swim us back to shore and then follow my path so you don't end up in this place again. Does that make sense? It's very clear and wonderful invitation of Jesus. So here's how we'll close. I just wanna give you a few practical things. If you're taking notes, I wanna give you just a few brief scriptures of like practically, how do you find rest? How do you find actual rest in Jesus? Let's take it down to the heart level here. Let me just show you a couple things that my heart struggles with. Guys, I struggle daily with significance and worth because of how I grew up and some things that happened to me. I struggle with thinking that I have any worth or value or significance in this life at all. And so how do I find rest when I think that I've got to have the, the biggest church or I've got to have the biggest family or I've got to have the biggest bank account because I think that big equals significant. Where do I go to? How do I find rest? I meet Jesus in Romans 8.30. And here's what he says to me. He says, Aaron, for those whom I predestined, I called. And those whom I called, I justified. And those whom I justified, glorified. And you're thinking, bro, how is that even helpful to me? I have no idea what you just said and how that relates to what you're saying. Well, listen, when I struggle with thinking I have any worth or value and I've got to work for success or I've got to be, I got to have something to be someone, I remember that before the foundation of the world, God made a way for me to have a relationship with him. Before the foundation of the world, I was predestined to be in his family. And then in real time, God called out to me personally, Aaron, come to me, come to me, place your trust in your life in me. He called me, then he justified me and he forgave me of my sin. But more than that, he gave me a purpose and a life in him. And then it says that one day I'll be glorified. I'll be in heaven with all of eternity, with joy, all my sorrows, my burdens will be gone. So am I significant? Yes, how long? Forever, before the foundation of the world, through the end of time. God chose me. I can rest from the labor of thinking that being someone or doing something makes me significant because I was called and predestined, justified and glorified. Does that make sense? This is where I find rest. Or maybe this one, maybe you are a struggle with an area of suffering or hardship this morning. Hardship, there's a unique medical issue. There's something in your family. There's something, a mental illness or a struggle that you are just crippled with. And you deal with that heavy laden term. Laboring is something that sort of you do that makes life hard. Heavy laden is something that life has done to you to make it hard. There's some trauma in your past. There's some suffering that you're going through. There's a marriage that didn't work out well and you feel heavy laden. Jesus wants you to come and you meet him in Romans 8, 28. He says this, and we know that for those who love God and we can only love God because God loved us and gave it the love to love him back. That makes sense. And we know that for those who love God, he says all things, the good, the bad, the trauma, all things, he works it together. He forces it through the funnel of his faithfulness and out comes goodness for those who are called according to his purpose. So whatever suffering or hardship you are facing, it doesn't end with your destruction. It doesn't end with your harm. It ends with hope and good is on the way for you either an earthly good that God will make it work out and you'll see it with hindsight or you see forward this heavenly goodness and perfection that comes one day. Let me just give you one more thing here. If you were just sort of heavy laden with just how hard life is and you're just weary and you're thinking about, is this, am I gonna be stuck in this hardship all my life? 
maybe you're not, by the way, if maybe not, you're not in that place right now, but all of us have cycles. We're like, you're gonna end up in that place. So maybe this is just like a precursor for you. So you can like pull it out the bag when you need it and then use it then. But this is really helpful for me. When you're tempted to despair because of how hard life is, I come to meet Jesus in Revelation 21, 1, 4. And here's where I, I come to Jesus and it says this. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. And then I saw this holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with mankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. And look at what he does. I think about all the trauma, all the struggles I've been through, all the struggles you've been through. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, nor pain for the former things have passed away. I find rest knowing that not only are my sins paid for, but my future has a path where there's no more sorrow, no more laboring, no more heavy burdens. And I find rest knowing that this is what God purchased for me. So Forest Hills or any guest, this is the invitation. Jesus says again to you this morning, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And he promises, I will give you rest. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, so take his ways, take his heart, take his sacrifice for you and learn from him. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will, church, you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray.